Buenas noches, Monsieur Caleb. Hello. How are you, Mike? I went all international right there. You did. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, I have a paper plane. Oh, Wait. man. That's your, is that your number one drink now for your episodes? I think it's my new favorite. Uh, we'll have to go to our uh, archivist um, to find <laughs> out if it's the most drunk drink by me. But Someday we'll have someone set up a Wikipedia page with all of our episodes and drinks. That would be pretty cool. I hope someday the show has enough notoriety that it warrants its own sublinked page for the drinks. Um, a man what, can dream. What, what are you drinking? Uh, I have uh, I made myself a Sazerac uh, tonight, mm. uh, a classic uh, beverage that uh, a friend of ours has been texting me about uh, all day and has completely incepted me. And, oh. and find, now I, I found myself craving a, a Sazerac. So I went, I went classic. I think this might be a repeat, um, but, you know, it's hard to complain about a, a good Sazerac. It was funny. I was reading through one of the books I have with all the cocktails in it, and some of them are old enough that they just ask for absinthe and then some are new enough that they say absinthe style alcohol and then the brand new ones just say absinthe again so ah. it's back <laughs> pre-prohibition post-prohibition and modern day hipster cocktails it is um good so time to be alive it it's a it is a pretty good time at least in the cocktail world um <laughs> so tonight i thought we could talk about uh some updates on model three um, model three is what's that it's apparently the most advanced car that Tesla has ever made. Oh, so it's the new version of the Model S? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's like iPhone 12, basically. It's just, oh. And it's like free, so. Awesome. I think. I I'm going to wait for the 12S. Yeah, I think you should. I think I'm going to wait for the 3S. Yeah, if it doesn't have the quad camera, I don't want it. <laughs> so, uh, Tesla has been uh, trying to fight this. Uh, feeling that uh <laughs> i was hearing the lyrics in my head as i started saying it. please don't I, sing it please don't sing i won't um okay. uh tesla's been fighting a sensei <laughs> uh, uh, a general malaise i guess that um people believe that the model 3 is going to be uh like uh, a model s just cheaper a misconception if you will yes a misconception and a few weeks ago on the earnings call elon had mentioned uh that they were trying to fight this misconception uh wanted to be very clear super clear he said in, in fact the model 3 isn't version 3 model 3 is a smaller more affordable version of model s with fewer features but Model S and Model 3 will be at the same level of technology. If you were to put a version on it, we're probably on version 4 of Model S, and Model 3 will also be on version 4. So I don't think he helped himself with that statement. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit intractable. What do you why make of that? They, why don't they just explain it like computers, where you could get a, a MacBook Air or a, you know, a giant iMac, and they have different power levels, and they run the same software, but... You know, obviously no one's going to confuse the two, like, or, or even just like the, the giant MacBook Pro laptop uh, versus the really lightweight MacBook. Um, I don't know. That, that seems like a, an analogy that might work. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually think that's a really good one. I haven't heard anyone mention that, but I, I do think that would be more clear to people. Yeah. To say like, okay, we have the MacBook Air uh, and then this is like, we have the MacBook Pro. Right, and, and they all run Tesla OS. Yeah, and some of them have better processors, like 
you know, they can, they can do more powerful things and they've got special bells and whistles like touch ID and retina and some of them don't. Right. And being the, the extra power means it's a little bit bigger. It's more expensive. You know, you know yeah. what you're getting. Makes sense. Yeah. And we're all, they'll all use the same newest aluminum, the best manufacturing techniques we have. I think that, I think that's where it gets tricky for people is that he's talking about two things simultaneously. One He's saying it's uh, it's not this it's not the next version like like everything being better like in an iPhone or a, a Samsung Galaxy or something like that, but that it is the technology platform sort of the underlying bits are sort of moving in lockstep, but then the sort of manifestation of particular features are what are going to differentiate. And then also the fact that autopilot is going to be consistent across them is another thing they have to cope with because people were still asking him on Twitter, will Model 3 come with autopilot? Um, so I, I remember saying a couple episodes back, I thought it was odd that people were confused that they were thinking the Model 3 was just going to be a cheaper version of the Model S. And um, I feel like it's gotten worse in some ways. Um, <laughs> and so apparently... Uh, this he had said on the call, and we had mentioned that they were going to try and shut this confusion down within the next couple of weeks, and so the penny has dropped on that. <laughs> and uh, friend of the show and uh, a guest of the show, Trev Page from Model Three Owners Club, uh, had a scoop where he got uh, information about the Model Three that was apparently sent out to uh, employees in the sales retail and the retail team to help them better educate customers who are coming into the stores, uh, potentially confused. And, uh, so there was some concerns online about the veracity of it. I thought it was real. It looked, had, had definitely had the Tesla look and feel and, uh, all the information was there. And then subsequently, a few days later, Elon Musk tweeted out that they had actually published a page on their site about this as well. So I thought we could go through that, uh, a little bit, um, and talk about what the new information we've learned is, um, and then some of the implications for what's on that, not what's on that sheet. All right. Cool. So, um, I think we'll start with some of the least interesting bits. Uh, the length of the model three is now official. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it is going to be, um, two inches longer than the BMW three series. Um, and it's an inch and a half longer than a Toyota Corolla. Um, so it's, uh, it's coming in at about what we expected. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's coming in at car length. Yeah. It's coming in at car length. It's eight, nine inches shorter than the model S. So it's shorter. Um, it's about what the class should be. Um, I guess a little bit longer than a BMW three series. So, um, yeah, no surprises there, really. I mean, we were thinking it was going to be within an inch or two, so came in on the high end. Um, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, you did say this was the least interesting part. So I know, no, we're, no lies. Yes, the trunk. Uh, the Model Three will have 14 cubic feet of trunk capacity, front and back. And for comparison, the BMW 3 Series and the A4 both have 13 cubic feet. Um, so again, this is with the seats up. So this is just the raw trunk and trunk capacity. I think the, the Model 3 has an actual trunk though, right? It, it used to have the micro trunk and now it's got a, a slightly larger micro trunk, but it's not a lift back like the Model S. Right. And I think the concern here is, yes, it's one cubic foot larger 
than the 13 cubic feet of the BMW and A4, but it has a frunk. So unless the frunk is only one cubic foot. Wait, uh, the Model 3 has a frunk? I thought the Model 3 didn't have a frunk. It does have a frunk. Oh, yeah. Well, interesting. I thought, I thought that was something that we lost. Nope. We, there is one, but uh, from the reveal photos, it does look extremely small. I think they just showed basically a carry-on bag in it. So it might be two cubic feet, um, but then that would mean that the trunk is one cubic foot smaller than the 3 Series or A4. So it, I don't really do much with my trunk, so it's not <laughs> something I'm super concerned about. I know there are people who are sweating the details of the frunk and trunk capacity, but... Uh, it's not five cubic feet like a you know a Porsche or something, and it's not twenty like a Crown Vic. Or <laughs> so, uh, if you want to haul a lot of things, a compact sedan is just not the best form factor. Um, and that seems kind of limiting. Maybe they can you get like a Model Three Tardis mode where it's like just a lot bigger on the inside. So I think, and, and I think the other th- uh, thing to realize is that even though it's longer uh, total length, bringing it back to the first point, uh, what that means then is that the interior volume must be bigger than the three series in A4, because there certainly isn't some magical stuff in between the passenger compartment and the um, and the trunk. And we know that the battery pack is on the floor, unlike some of the competitors who put it under the seats or in the trunk. So it isn't as if there's something taking up space in the trunk capacity. So that just leads me to believe that the interior compartment for people must be larger. Does that make sense? It, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the space goes somewhere, right? I right. Mean, maybe it's a little more like aerodynamic, so you might lose some space there. But yeah, the, the passenger compartment does look a little bit larger. Yeah, and they've been saying that they want to fit five adults comfortably. Um, so. <laughs> That yeah, you need. definitely can't do that in a BMW 3 Series. Like the back seat is is kind of you, you're doing some yoga to kind of get tall adults in the back seat of those. Although they have gotten better in recent years. Yeah, I mean, having owned a 3 Series in the past, uh, yeah, sitting in the back once or twice was not great, and sitting in the middle is terrible with the transmission um, hump uh, going into the back for the rear wheel drive. So um, the Tesla will not have that hump. So the the middle seat will have a flat floor. And uh, the headliner will be glass. Um, so we'll get to glass in, in a minute. But um, and then the, the most interesting thing to me was the acceleration. Um, so all we knew up until now was that the acceleration was going to be zero to 60 under six seconds. And that leaves a lot of seconds for it to be. <laughs> uh, and I think many companies would expect that or when they say under they mean as little under as humanly possible to still be under. <laughs> so this item is not $1,000. It's $999.99. So I think I was expecting 5.9 seconds. Um, and it turned out to be 5.6 seconds, which is 0.1 seconds slower, I believe, than what the Model S was when it, um, like the, the last version of the Model S that's um, not available anymore. So that seems pretty quick. Pretty quick. Um, And one of the things that's important about zero to 60 times is that for internal combustion cars, most of the stats you'll see are from a fully revved uh, launch mode style where essentially they're waiting on the line. They've got the clutch in uh, 
yeah, the clutch is in. And, <laughs> pop um, the clutch, man. You got to yeah. pop that clutch. You get the revving, you get the RPMs to the right level. You get everything warmed up. You get the tires ready to go. And then you pop the clutch and take off. Um, and what that does is essentially just gives you the ability to try and maximize the power and torque of the engine. Um, but that's not how regular people drive. Um, they're, they're usually not redlining or at 7,000 RPM ready to go. So Car and Driver actually does tests of both a zero to 60 as well as a rolling start. So from five miles an hour. Um, so how people in California treat stop signs, basically. Exactly. You're rolling through the stop sign and then you gun it. What kind of speed are you going to see? And they find that uh, it's between 15 and 30% worse on most cars, zero to 60. So for instance, a, um, a Mercedes-Benz CLA uh, claims to have a 6.3 zero to 60, but it's actually seven seconds. Or the Audi A4 2.0 Quattro is claims to have 5.6, which is what Tesla claims, but it's actually 7.2 seconds with the rolling start. That sounds um, counterintuitive. Yeah. And it, yeah, because at that rolling speed, the engine is engaged in a gear and uh, is not at a very high RPM. And so it, it can't, um, can't jump the line and be in the so, right. So RPM. that means they're just going five miles an hour and then floor it. Cause I mean, I imagine you could start rolling at four miles an hour and still rev the engine and pop the clutch. Yeah, apparently they are they're engaged moving at five miles an hour. They're not okay. like coasting at five miles an hour. Gotcha. Drive, driving in gear at five miles an hour. Um, so uh, I think the, the interesting thing here is that they also do this for the um, electric cars they've tested, and those tend to be within plus or minus two or three percent. Because, as we all know, the uh, torquiness of those motors is not really reliant on um, shenanigans with launch mode. Uh, except for sort of super high-end Teslas with Ludacris where they want to preheat the battery and get everything ready to go. Um, but pretty much from the Volt to the uh, Bolt to the, so our Victor and Bravo, <laughs> to the Teslas, uh, their 0 to 60s are pretty accurate, um, both from a standstill and from a rolling start. So that 5.6 should best... Uh, a lot of cars in real world driving. So uh, it would probably, it would still beat like a Porsche Macan, which is their small little SUV. Um, and you would be better than a WRX, a four series, a three series, an ATS, the GTI, the A3, the five series, BMW, the A4, Ford Focus ST, the high end Camry, the Mercedes Benz at C300. Um, all those cars, this will be quicker. So it should be one of the quickest cars that you could get at this price point. I think it probably will be the quickest car you can have at 35000 um, And we expect that's the base uh, acceleration because there will be clearly much quicker ones, uh, but those haven't yet been described. All right, so it's a little more class comparable where the like the Model S kind of achieves well beyond its class where a like, you know, $120,000 Model S can out-accelerate uh, like a $2 million sports car, whereas the the Model 3 isn't going to get that kind of upward uh, performance. It's just going to be as good or in maybe slightly better than comparable models. Yeah, so the base BMW 3 Series, the 320i, which is $34,000, has a 7.1 second 0 to 60, which is actually closer to like 7.6. Um so for $5,000 more to get the next version, the 330, um, you can 
get to 5.5 claimed. So it, yeah, it's, it's better, but not to your point, drastically better than what you could get, um, from an internal combustion car, but it should feel on the road differently, uh, than those other vehicles because of the, um, challenges with the internal combustion engine. Right. Range. I mean, even just driving the bolt, we noticed that, I mean, we keep yeah. coming back to that, but it was just so much more spirited and fun to drive because of the performance characteristics and handling of the uh, electric drivetrain. Yep. Uh, so some of the other information that came out uh, in the, in the, since we last recorded, there's the best estimate now is that there's actually going to be two battery packs. Um, and this was information that came through t- uh, on a YouTube channel called Tesla Nomics and then was posted <laughs> by Tesla Rati. Um, wow. This stay is like with some me. sort of conspiracy theory coming to the surface here. Well, apparently what happened was they got a, a memo slash release that outlined Tesla's plan to turn on a automated battery pack assembly at Gigafactory one that apparently was approved in the past few days. Um, and it was going to be a couple hundred million dollar capital expenditure. And they had like very specific details about how long it takes to make the battery packs right now, how they have people on a 24 hour shift building the packs for the model three release candidates and how they're going to be automating it. And they then said that the battery packs were going to be 60 kilowatt hours and 75 kilowatt hours. Um, And one reason pretty confident this is accurate uh, is Tesla kindly asked both of those sites to take that information down. And we had linked to it and then... Uh, it's a 404 page now, so it's it's not accessible. So that's oh, the f- they're trying to suppress information. Let which the is, truth come out, man. Which is a which is a pretty uh, it's a it's a tough strategy when you don't want to confirm something, but then you make people take the information down um, because it usually is a non denial denial or confirmation rather. Um, Neither confirm nor deny. Yeah, they, they didn't like that information being out there. So. Um, What's interesting about that is uh, a while back on one of the one of the internal investor relations calls, they had said that the pack would, for the Model Three would be less than sixty kilowatt um, hours, um, and so it's starting at sixty is interesting. A lot of Kremlinology going on around it being around the Bolt because when they had made that statement, the Bolt uh, wasn't out yet and the range was not out th- yet. So if we remember last year, Tesla said it would be. Uh, the Model 3 would be uh, at least 215-mile range. The Bolt that we drove uh, has a EPA-rated range of 238 miles. It seems weird to be getting into this, like, spec-matching uh, rigmarole where, yeah, because the drivetrain's different, the shape of the vehicle's different, and, you know, you can't just match apples to apples with, like, one size pack to another size pack. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's there there's positive attributes where the Model Three will be it should be more aerodynamic from everything we know, but it will also most likely be heavier since it'll be a slightly larger vehicle. Um, the motors should be more efficient, but uh, because it's also a higher performance vehicle, um, the test cycle may cause it to be like the Model S is not a very high EPA rated uh effective mpg relative to like the leaf so yeah it, it'll be interesting to see what shakes out here um i just think it's 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 getting into this weird sort of 
spec matching that that people do. I mean, I guess especially maybe even more amplified now that there because there is no vehicle in existence right now that people can play with. But I don't know. It feels very analogous to the sort of Android versus iPhone thing where they're kind of matching specs and it's apples to oranges where it doesn't really matter. Like a, an Android phone with three gigs of memory doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be better than an iPhone with two gigs of memory because there's just different operating systems, different memory usage models. And yeah, it's. I feel like people can, when you give people numbers, they will want to compare them even though they might not actually be getting the comparison they think they're getting. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think certainly there is a aspect to the people who care about this right now very heavily want to know what kind of range they can expect because Tesla hasn't given an official number for that. So they're trying to use the battery pack size as a proxy. Um, but I think, yeah, the pack size doesn't matter as much as how far you can actually go on it, right? Like that's the right. important thing. And even if it is not better than 238, I don't think it will materially hurt people from, like, I don't think if it's 10 miles less range, say it's 228 or 225, uh, I don't think that's going to cause a max, max, mass exodus of reservation holders or future desirability for the car. Um, <laughs> because I, I think there's many other things that matter uh, than just saying, well, uh, this doesn't have as much range as the Bolt, so I, of course, I'm just going to move to the Bolt. Um, I think that would be uh, maybe penny-wise, like 100-ton foolish. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe just one ton foolish. Um, if, you, if you were interested in the Model 3 before. Like, obviously, there are people buying the Bolt, and that's fine, the Bravo. But um, if you wanted a Model 3 and then 5 or 10 miles range is going to dissuade you, I think you would need to be quite confident in your... <laughs> decision uh and i wouldn't make that decision lightly uh, right well and especially because with the bolt you might get five extra miles but you're going to have to drive those five miles yourself whereas with the model three the the model three might be driving five less miles but it'll be driving itself so you know that's that's a big selling point and you'll have superchargers to go to uh, yeah. if you're traveling that sort of distance at once um so that's what we now know about it looks very likely those are going to be the be the battery packs. Um, so for, for folks who are thinking about it, I would look at the model, what the model S had. Um, and I would just add a couple, couple extra miles to it. I, I just don't think it's going to be a huge, I wouldn't plan on it being a huge increase in range. Um, but maybe a couple percent, uh, maybe 5% or so. Once you get to like 10%, it starts to become a pretty big difference. It almost gets like 250 miles, um, at the 60. So I just don't think they're going to wring that much efficiency out uh, over of the overall system because there is some base load you need to preheat the batteries to deal with the cabin. And even though it's smaller, I think I've seen online a couple of people uh, getting a little bit ahead of themselves in terms of the capacity. So if it's 220, I was, I was fine with that. I was fine with 240, 250 if on bigger packs. So eventually I think they'll get to 300, 350, 400 in the next few years. And then once they reach parity with gasoline cars, I think it'll be pretty, this, this eventually will be a non-issue. I think the same way that like resolution on screens was uh, always something people wanted to be higher resolution. And now I don't think people are too freaked out about their iPhone resolution. Um, could be a little higher, but it's really well. It's, not it's past the, the point thing. of noticing, right? Yeah, yeah. And I just don't think for many people, a thousand mile range vehicle would be that useful. Yeah, um, 
I think people are just grasping at the numbers right now because that's all there, all that exists. Yeah, and certainly like a hundred mile range is a huge effective difference than 200, uh, but 300 to 200 isn't as big of a difference. And clearly 400 and 300 is not as big of a difference. Um, there are plenty of cars right now that get, you know, 220, 250 miles range. I was uh, really hoping for 900. Well, I think you have to get the Tesla semi for that. <laughs> I think they should sell like a battery trailer that you can tow behind you that just gives you like incredible extended range. I, I, there are people asking about that and talking about that. I, I think, yeah, it'd be interesting uh, how how the uh, how efficient that would end up being. But I'm sure it would definitely help. I mean, it just wouldn't be as efficient as it was built in, but it would definitely help. I mean, you yeah. could you could you could power a lot off of that. Um, it's, a, it's a portable supercharger, or just tow a generator. I mean, yeah, it's true. <laughs> oh wait, that's the Volt. Um, so. One of the other things that has been an interesting puzzle is that at the bottom of this compare sheet, they said that the Model S has over 1,500 plus configurations and the Model 3 has less than 100. Um, <laughs> that seems like the dumbest thing I've seen on this whole shit, this whole chart. Like, that's just ridiculous. What does that even mean? What do you, yeah, what do you, what do you mean? Well, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's, you're talking about a matrix of configurations. So, you know, if you just like add one extra option for like trim color, you've doubled the number of possible configurations because it's a matrix, right? Yeah. So it, it, they're meaningless numbers. Like other than to say that with one of them being like more than 10x larger than the other, you, you get a sense that one of them is just going to be simplified. And, yep. and really, that's all you need to know. But I don't know. I just think putting specific numbers is just weird. It's just strange. Yeah, I think this goes to the selling aspect of the S and X, um, where in the store, if someone comes in and says, hey, I've been hearing about this Model 3, should I get that one? And that if they ha haven't put down a reservation, they're not going to be getting it for at least a year. Tesla wants their salespeople to be able to say, well, have you looked at the Model S? And they're like, yeah, it looks good. I'm, would this fit in your budget? Yeah, sure, it would fit. But I heard the Model 3 is better. That they want talking points to say, yeah, but like you can really customize the Model S. The Model S has, has over 1,500 different ways you can configure the car. Wow, 1,500. That's a big number. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's that's really a big part of it. And then on the negative side or the expectation setting side, it's trying to tamp down people's belief that you're going to be able to have as the exact same options that you have and sort of diversity of options that you have with the Model S in the Model 3 to when that design configurator opens up for people who reserved and you get that email saying, hey, you can now, you know, customize the Model 3 that you want to get. They're trying to make sure people aren't like, wait, where's my tow hitch sub-zero package with <laughs> the white Alcantara with this wood and this leather? Screw this. I'm out. Like, they, I think they're really trying to make sure that people are at least prepared and soften the ground a bit that it's going to be quite limited what you can choose. And even though the competitors like the Audis and BMWs have nine or 10 paint colors and four or five different engine types, plus all wheel drive or not, and sport modes and all these different things, uh, we are not going to have that in the Model 3 on day one. Eventually we might get there, but on day one, the Model 3 will not have those things. 
And so they just, they don't, I don't think they're trying to fight a backlash that it seems as if a lot of people have pent up expectations that they're <laughs> going to get their perfect dream car at $40,000. And that's just not, not going to happen. I mean, the, to yeah, get, I, to get to less than a hundred, you, you really need to have like six paints, two wheels, two battery options, two interior options, and two roof puts you at 96. Uh, if you yeah. jump up to three interior options, like black, white, and tan, it would put you at 144. So you have to pull something out. You have to pull out at least one of the paints to get it, two of the paints, actually. So it will be quite few configurations or groupings uh, for you to choose from. And for me, I'm pretty much fine with that. But um, yeah, I think not only is, it, is that fine, I think that's desirable, right? Because I mean, when I think of all these different permutations you can have, I think that's just way more opportunities for bugs, for, for issues to creep in, right? And I mean, it, this is coming from the software world, but I mean, I imagine it works for everything else too. Like different size wheels might have different performance characteristics or different things might fit together differently. And the less number of combinations you have, the less chances there are for things to not integrate properly. And Really, if the simpler they can make it, the more likely it is to be successful at the launch. And that's good. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big important attributes here is that Tesla is coming off of the Model X launch, which was not very smooth, took many, many, many months for them to ramp up. They introduced so many new technologies. They had the highest performance, most decked out car uh, SUVs first, and it really hurt them. Um, and they weren't even producing that many. I mean, they weren't attempting to produce that many, I should say. Uh, they, in absolute terms, were not producing many at all. I think they did like 30 or 40 or 50 in the first um, month that they actually did it. Um, so they were extremely constrained. And I think once they saw how many people had reserved, they needed to change their plans a bit. And uh, I think this is what maybe is being slightly underappreciated with folks who are disappointed i guess um and it's fine if people are disappointed i would i would just say that um i don't think tesla's doing this out of malice uh if you assume that they are making this for rational decisions then trying to understand those decisions is what we're going to try and unpack so yeah i mean it's you're manufacturing a complex object right you want to eliminate any possible complexity you can and that's going to increase your chances for success yeah the the simplest way to uh decrease the risk uh on the car is going to be how can we make sure we have we need fewer parts uh available how can we reduce the number of different permutations we need to test i mean you're exactly right anytime we you have a new feature in a piece of software that still works with other permutations going through and testing it on that and then once you add in browser testing and you know e even just in software which is um I guess, slightly easier to adjust after the fact um, than a hardware change, um, it's going to be a lot simpler. And Tesla has uh, a lot of financial concerns that if they don't actually produce these cars, the challenge isn't that the stock price is going to go down, which wouldn't be good. But the problem is they've got parts that are going to be flowing in and contracts for parts and payments that are going to have to start going out for uh, equipment that they've bought that they don't have to finish, pay they don't have to pay for uh, or finish paying for until production actually begins. And so everything they can do to try and reduce the risk that they are blocked on production, they're going to do. 
And that's why they're trying to make simpler permutations. And I think the other piece to it is to um, basically be able to make a run of vehicles uh, that there'll be more swappability. So if someone doesn't want the vehicle or something goes wrong, you can more quickly just sort of um, get it. Um, so I'm sort of reminded, I, I just watched this movie, uh, the founder. Did you, did you see that? Or were you telling me about that? The Ray Kroc no. McDonald. So it's a, it's a oh, movie no, about no. Ray Kroc. I just watched Silicon Cowboys last night. Oh, okay. Sim- similar vein, I guess. Um, so it's, it's funny to think back, but in the fifties, the hamburger shacks of the day were drive-ins and they would cook to order uh and because they had this full menu of turkey dinners meatloaf dinners hamburgers shakes all these things liver and onions yeah it could take 20 25 minutes just like a restaurant um and then the crock brothers decided to simplify the menu drastically and then put in automation so that they were just making cheeseburgers and hamburgers all the time so when you ordered you got the cheeseburger that was started three or four or five minutes ago uh but it's fresh and hot because it's just come off and been packaged for you so it's more like the uh ford assembly line i guess than yeah than a bespoke uh, restaurant exactly and that's one of the challenges with model s's right now is that if you want to order a custom one it can take weeks to months, depending on where you live, for you to get that vehicle. And that's just not common with the way most people buy vehicles. Most people buy vehicles by going into the lot, seeing what's available, and making the trade-offs about the option packages. And even though many of these car companies have the ability to option the vehicle to whatever your heart's content, um, that's not how most people buy them. Most people do buy them based on these configurations at the dealership and or the manufacturer choose to sort of bundle together um, so they can have more sort of comparability and um, just make it simpler for themselves to be like, okay, we're going to produce 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 of this combination in this colorway. And we know people like that and it's fine. I mean, you won't have one little adjustment, but generally it's going to be just fine. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that I want it as simple as possible. I'd like ideally some sort of like Tesla and Muji partnership where there's just not a model S or model three. It's just model and (laughs) it has no logos on it or anything. And it's just a car and there's no other options. And that would be great. I think one of the um, the other thing that helps them is they because they're trying to ramp up, right? Like they want to start actual production in July and we keep hearing Elon say they're on target to do that, but they still don't have the uh, production line fully together. People are saying we're we're going to be going to it. We, we've been lucky to be invited to the VIP tour that's happening uh, later this week, uh, the weekend. And uh, shout out to the Tesla Geeks uh, YouTube channel, uh, who those guys invited us very graciously. Um, So we'll get to see the factory. I don't believe we'll be able to talk about it um, (laughs) or take photos, unfortunately. Um, But uh, they need the factory to be able to produce these vehicles. And if they can make simpler cars, uh, they have a higher chance of being able to actually make them and have more predictability in testing the line ahead of this bigger production. And then the other, the other thing, because they're going to have the employees testing them first, um, they'll just have sort of an extended 
public beta, <laughs> essentially, of the cars uh, uh, and then be able to integrate those changes and not have these bugs crop up in one variation that not many people have ordered uh, and then sort of have to be concerned about whether or not it's a pervasive bug or a bug that's only limited to people who chose this particular configuration. Um, to your earliest point, so I think it's I think it's good. They have plenty of demand. I mean, with four hundred thousand reservations, I think if if you don't want that configuration or you want to wait for the all-wheel drive or performance or some other option, there's someone behind you in line who's probably going to be okay with a more base model vehicle, and Tesla can be more choosy in that way, even though they have to balance that it might upset some people. So. So do you think, uh, do you think they're going to offer any sort of, as, as they get the potential options locked down, as far as like what will be offered, do you think they're going to open up some sort of pre configuration thing where you can imagine some sort of, like they could just have their website set up for all reservation holders and you could go in and configure your car and you get, you can see exactly what it'll look like through some sort of rendering or whatever and pick your options and, that would help provide some clarity to people too. So they know what they're getting and they know what's available and it wouldn't be as much of a guessing game. Uh, and you know, they would have some sort of, you know, unique link that they could share out that says, this is what my model three is going to look like. And you know, it's not going to be for like six months or something, but they could actually have something, uh, somewhat tangible, I guess. Um, so I guess there's sort of two questions there is like, why haven't they done that already? And do you think they're going to do that? Yeah. So, they did add some more information about some features that will be available on the Model 3 to that compare page. So below the configuration items and below like the trunk capacity and people capacity, they added some features. And some of the features they listed on Model 3 are full self-driving capability, which we knew about, uh, we've known for a long time, uh, that it's an aluminum and steel body, and they're contrasting that to the all-aluminum body in the Model S. I don't really care except for efficiency, like if it goes the range I want. I would yeah. like everyone should stop and wonder what is my current car made of? And I, I bet best most people other than guessing steel wouldn't really know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure that's really a huge selling point except for that it'd be lighter. But again, if, if it's the range I want at the price I want, that's, I don't, don't particularly mind. Um, coil suspension. So it'll have springs instead of smart air suspension, uh, to begin with. Um, Elon had said at one point that it would have some more air suspension, but again, that's a more risky system and also keeps the S more differentiated for now. Um, glass roof being optional. This is one thing I did want to dig in. I will answer your question about the configuration, but okay. So all the RC, the release candidates we've seen appear to have a glass roof. Um, and I think people, there's some confusion about what the glass roof is. So when I say glass roof to you about the Model 3, which part of the roof do you think that applies to? Uh, are there other parts of the roof? So that's, <laughs> I, would, I would imagine it means the top of the car above your head when you're sitting down. Yes, but remember how they said the Model 3 was going to have all this glass in the like, passenger compartment to help with headroom? Yeah, I mean, I would just imagine that means the whole top of the car where you would normally have fabric is all glass. But do you think that's optional or built in, like default? Oh, well, I mean, I, I'm reading the thing that says optional, so I'm kind of cheating right there. So I'm going to guess optional. So that's, it's, that's not optional. That's, that part is standard. The oh. part above the passengers is going to be standard. The thing above your head where a sunroof would be about that size, like, what is it, maybe four feet across and 
two feet long, that's going to be the optional bit where there'd be this little like block of roof or sunroof or glass. So there's three parts of glass making up the top part of the car. There's the windshield, then there's a glass roof. Like and over then, the driver and passenger. Over the driver and passenger. And then from the B pillar back is this new glass rear part of the roof. But because they said glass roof, people are, are understandably confused, thinking that because that's optional, they think there's going to be a headliner for the passengers in the back if you don't pay this extra money. And I just don't think, I think that's like 100% wrong because yeah, in confusing. the videos they said there would be three roof options but that that back thing was standard. And if you watch some of the early videos where people took test drives, they talked about that very clearly. So See, um, now they've, they've made it optional, and that's added to the complexity, whereas they could have just done it all glass. Yeah, I mean, they could have, and I think I was expecting maybe they had gone all glass, but I think it may be that the one they offer in the beginning, you kind of have to get it with glass. Um, that would make sense, right? Because, you know, people who are lining up to buy it first are probably going to be fine with spending extra for the glass roof, which might be optional later. And then maybe later on down the road when they need to keep the number of res of purchases coming in, they can ma introduce yeah, a cheaper standard, option, yeah. like a cheaper option that doesn't have that extra glass, presuming that that means that it would be cheaper. I mean, I still think the back part above the passengers will be glass forever. I don't think they're going to make that roof. I just think that it is one more way to get a little bit extra margin by having that bit above the passenger and driver um, be metal or glass or a sunroof. Um, but I think if you just still wanted to have the metal above you, your passengers in the rear would still have the glass above them. So it's kind of weird. It's like the opposite of like a Targa car. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a little in, instead of having nothing above you, you you only have something above you. It's sort of yeah, and it's also sort of the reverse of the Model X, where the pass the rear passengers are going to have a more panoramic sort of amazing view than the drivers will because they're going to have that uh, strip where the the vanity mirrors are and the um yeah the sort of sun sun visors so um and then they also said there'll be two two sizes of wheels 18 inch and 19 inch i think actually the the thing that i found interesting on that list and the only thing is really is that the uh they're not going to have the hepa filtration system mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i would kind of assume that they would have had the same filtration system on both just for health reasons and like why not I have a I have a hope and belief that potentially that will be just held back, uh, potentially for the reveal, and or six months later in the performance models, and then we'll filter down. Mm. I mean, I'm no, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that that it probably still will have a filtration system. It just yeah. won't be like HEPA rated. Right, because the Model S didn't even have that until like six or eight, nine months ago. It was only in the Model X. It uh, just seems and, weird and that they don't have like non-HEPA filtration system listed as a comparable feature on the other side, right? Like, it just makes it seem like there's, you know, just whatever's belching out from the car in front of you is coming right into your cabin. And, yeah, I think this, is, again, goes to this really shouldn't be seen by regular people, but they put it up <laughs> because there's so many things that are missing. Like, the, the front seats are heated in the Model S, even if you don't get the Sub-Zero package. They're, I, I think it, it's pretty likely that they're going to have power seats, um, there's a whole bunch of features that they didn't list on both columns, both Model S and Model 3. And there are also things that are not available unless you get the super duper performance version, but they're comparing it to the base Model 3. So they're clearly trying to tilt the scale 
in the favor of the Model S because right now they really just want to push people to buy Model S. If you're on the fence, <laughs> if you could have like, okay, there are clearly people who just cannot afford a Model S. But if you come into the stores thinking about buying a Model S and you could per be persuaded to buy one and you're just thinking the Model 3 might be, you know, better, then, yeah, they want to try and convince you to buy a Model S. Um, but for most people, I think, on the reservation list, they can't afford a Model S because it's just too expensive, too expensive of a car for them or they just don't want to allocate their resources that way, and that's fine. Uh, and they do want to spend thirty-five dollars or $40,000 on a car, and they want a Tesla, and the Model 3 is that car for them. But I do think Tesla is doing, um, I don't know, it, it must be really challenging when they have such a high, it, can you imagine if Tesla, if like, if Apple or someone had a, a product that they were selling, like, the, imagine the rocker, like, remember the rocker, the, uh, oh God, yeah, the Motorola, the Motorola, so imagine Tesla, Apple actually sort of liked that phone, and then they, they had announced that they were going to have the iPhone, and they had to sort of convince people that the rocker was still better. Um, it, would, it would just be this weird situation where you know for a lot of customers the Model 3 is better, but you have to sort of, in one, it's not available. People can't use it. So um, I just think it's, it's weird because this isn't some sort of unprecedented territory, right? Like, it's not like... People are going in to buy a BMW 7 Series and the presence of the 3 Series is confusing them, right? Like it's, they're different cars. Like one is a, a larger, more luxury vehicle with higher performance and, and more features. Why, why is this confusing when it comes to the Model S and the Model 3? There's got to be something that Tesla is doing wrong that is fomenting this confusion because you know, model lines and luxury models exist elsewhere in the car world. I think the biggest fundamental risk or challenge was that they had said the Roadster was our first generation car. The second generation car was the S. We extended that to add in the X just for fun because we could make some money off of it. And then our third gen platform is the Model 3. And people took that to be an extension of the technology progress. And they use that sort of um, description in almost all of their events about the vehicles. And they even used it when they unveiled the Model 3, talking about the Roadster, the Model S and X, and then how Model 3 is their third gen platform. And I, I mean, I guess I'm coming around to the fact that a lot of people just sort of felt like it's a technology product. It's not a vehicle and that you could just totally sort of obsolete the S and X and that they don't even really need to stick around. Just like get the model three. Um, Caleb, I think I just solved this as I'm looking at the screen. If they just actually like sharpen the angles of the S it's a five. There you go. And five is greater than three done. I mean, I don't think it's a surprise that Audi doesn't make the A1 their best car and the A8 their worst car. <laughs> yeah, it, it just it seems like this shouldn't be causing as much confusion as it's causing. And I, I don't I mean, I don't know what the percentage of the 400,000 people who've reserved are confused, but clearly many of the people who are enthusiasts sort of saw this as a hack to like basically like to get a cheap version Tesla, but with all the performance. Um, and at a price point that's much, much lower. But for me personally, I am very happy with that level of uh, sort of classic car performance of the acceleration. 
I being able to get into an autopilot enabled vehicle for $35,000 plus the fee for autopilot is great because I don't really want to be doing the driving anyways. <laughs> and I'm really just sort of two people most of the time. Well, not me, but me and my <laughs> girlfriend. Um, yeah. Well, and like we said before, like the zero to 60 performance doesn't matter when it's in autopilot, right? Cause autopilot's not going to be chirping off the line at every red light. Well, one of the things that I, we just saw, uh, I mean, we're seeing a whole bunch more of these release candidates and uh, a lot of people are dissecting them. And one of the things that was interesting is they now have numbers on them. Did you see this? No. So in one of like the rear windows, so one of the black prototypes that was recently spotted in the past seven days has the number 49. One of the red prototypes has a 55 not prototype release candidate. One of the white has 61. The uh, silver one has 67. And one of the blue ones has zero three. I think that <laughs> blue one is the one I saw on April 8th because uh, we, we saw one pretty early on, uh, like a month and a half ago. Um, but if they are sequential, then that would indicate they've made quite a few of these release candidates. Um, or they're just trolling everyone. Yeah, they could just be trolling everyone and using like prime numbers to grow them. Um, well, they're at least all odd, but they're not necessarily all prime. Um, just random numbers. Yeah, random number generator. Um, but one thing, we've been looking to see the interior, and someone today finally got a really good shot of the interior. Uh, <laughs> the car It's really was- busy. Yeah, the car was up at Lick Observatory, or on its way up to Lick Observatory. Oh. And for folks who aren't familiar with the geography here in the Bay Area, uh, it's about 20 miles west or east of San, San Jose. I guess I'm not even that familiar with the <laughs> it's, geography. It's like 20 miles west and about four miles up. Yeah, so it's sort of a proving ground drive. Uh, it's very windy. The road is sometimes closed, and there's no service stations or real anything on your route for that 20 miles so it's very popular with cyclists and uh it's somewhat of a proving ground for a vehicle so they were spotted on their way up there and someone got a shot on the inside and the dash big surprise looks exactly like it did at the reveal slightly different (laughs) wood trim but there are no buttons like no buttons at all no and the screen looked really big in that photo too it's like 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 i joked earlier it looks like someone's just driving around with their imac sitting in the center console yeah and one of the um a a fellow on twitter wesley uh bergweist uh berquist sorry um he he messaged us with some inside info and then he tweeted it out um that he was talking with some Tesla engineers and found out that there's no glove box button and no hazard button. Uh, but the hazard button will actually be in the overhead by the overhead light. Cause you know how most hazard buttons, you need a hazard button by law here in the U S it turns on all your lights. So they blink so you can double park essentially. Um, or you have a hazard issue breakdown situation. Um, but it's usually on the dash in some, uh, like where the head unit is for the audio. Um, but apparently Tesla didn't want it to obstruct anything on the dashboard and you need a physical button. So I think what they said is they're putting it up top, um, where the lights are for the, like on the, on the, on the roof. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, and it, it just sort of reminded me of like the, uh, Apple kind of like Steve Jobs, like there'll be no buttons. Like it, <laughs> it will, there will be no buttons. And I, I expect at the reveal, Elon will get on stage and say, it's the first car with no buttons anywhere. <laughs> so when you say there's no glove box button, does that mean there is no glove box uh, or there's a glove box and there's some other way 
to open it. Apparently, the glove box button will also be up by the overhead light. Oh, weird. So it'll be an electric activated. It must be, or that'll be a really long wire. Maybe there'll be like a clapper integration where you can like, and your glove box opens or something. Yeah, it could be. Uh, And then the other thing was that because this has that unique ventilation system, that the vent will be, the, the quote we got was the vent will be operated like a stereo fade through the UI, will be very adjustable. Um, so I'm sort of envisioning that they'll both be the fan speed, but also potentially some way to direct the air uh, with your swipe on the, on the touchscreen. So that'll be pretty interesting to see how that uh, performs in, act, in, in, in reality. But I'm all for it. I don't want to, you know, cleaning those vents in the car on an interior clean is pretty, pretty challenging. So didn't the, uh, the dashboard also look like it was some sort of like bam, kind of like the I three has the bamboo. Yeah. There's it didn't look, it, it yeah, looked like kind of a bamboo strip going across it. Yeah. It didn't look like it had any polish. It looks like it's sort of waxed or much more matte and, um, yeah, not the classic super luxury style wood. So, uh, I'm really hoping that that white um, and black option comes back that was sort of just a plasticky type material. Um, oh, I like the wood. Yeah. I, it's I, warm and, and cozy. I really want the uh, white interior, so I don't think the wood mm. will go as well with that. But Could be um, like a blonde wood. I guess one of the things, the, one of the other things we heard from the same source was that um, the HUD screen is actually under development, but only Ooh. for the S and X. Uh, and that it will apparently take up a third of the windscreen. Which third? That's the interesting bit. Is it going to be a vertical third for the driver or horizontal across the entire width? My bet would be that it's going to be just in front of the driver. For like oh, I would guess AR. that it would be like a all the way across, like a like a cable news Chiron, just going all the way across the bottom. I guess I just don't think there's much. Va- I don't. I I currently don't. Well. If my assertion is that that information is for driving purposes and not for um, uh, passenger style information, and therefore it would be most useful to be just for the driver. Um, and then, then, then the SNX can remove the binnacle as well. So then they can move, because what I think will happen is that the ha- maintaining a portrait and landscape UI long term is not a good idea. And if they think there's value in having a widescreen format, then they should just commit to that and roll it out across the line. I think it's, it will just seem weird and out of date to have a portrait and a landscape. So I would expect that what they may do is, when this is ready, move the SNX to a landscape screen, just like the Model 3, and then also introduce the similar dash and HVAC system. But instead of not ha- instead of the binnacle, because the dash won't accommodate that, they'll have the HUD, and so they'll have a unified design system for their interiors. But the HUD will give those drivers even more uh, information on the SNX and be kind of a technology whiz bang thing because it will <laughs> most likely be uh, augmented reality where it will sort of project more onto the onto the lanes in front of you um, beyond just the info. It reminds me of uh, my grandfather used to have an old Dodge that had the uh, turn signal indicators like way out on the hood outside the car oh, pointing back in. Uh, and it, that was kind of like sort of a 1970s uh, AR HUD display in a way. That's kind of interesting. I didn't know anyone had done that. That's kind of cool. I think old Cadillacs used to have that too, where they would just be this little like 
bump sticking out like on the both sides of the hood like way out by the headlights and it would just be pointing back at you and it would start blinking when your turn signals were on oh circling back to your uh, question i do think they will offer the configurator to the employees uh within the beginning like probably the mid mid mid-june um because they're going to start production in july and they'll start with the employees and then there's going to be a reveal event in july at some point or before july because elon said as we get closer to production or right before production he's he swip he flip-flops on that sometimes um and i expect they'll start sending out invitations after that event because after that event they'll reveal more details about all the fin- all the sort of the final details about the vehicle and the options and then the pricing will then be part of that uh page and i i think i could see it going one of two ways <laughs> to they could they could basically just offer the most base options and start introducing the reservation holders in waves giving them time to put in the reservation or not. And then for those who want to get the higher performance cars, all wheel drive where Elon said, you will will just hold your spot in line as they offer those into the design center design studio, they'd re email those people and then get them to confirm their and deposit. And then the, so that's sort of like a rolling, slowly introducing things path and then to your point i do think there is a possibility that they show all their cards for the all-wheel drive multi-motor all that but they just say coming uh fall or coming winter or yeah winter 2018 at Um, some point in 2018 yeah at some point in 2018 but they let you configure it to reserve it and put down a deposit right and you save it you have your name on it you can share it out to people you can go back and look at it every week to make yourself feel happy like that seems like standard customer service stuff there were people like there are a lot of snx reservation holders who waited years with uh well about a year um who had configured because there's still deposits the the early uh model x configurations that are still being produced so there are still people who had uh, configure their cars and put down their deposit a long time ago. So yeah, it's possible. And then I think that other thing that does is from a cynical point of view, it gets Tesla to sort of lock that customer in sure. so they can't wander uh, yeah. to some other brand. Um, and also line up financing and timing, right? Like it, it just gives them an opportunity to know they're going to get this car and they can make sure they can afford it and all these things. So yeah, that's like standard salesman technique, right? Like you give them something and then they have to give it back to you, right? Because now you actually have it and you're less likely to want to give it up. So now you, even though it's like virtual, you would actually have your configured thing that you've put the time into configuring. And mentally, I imagine given humans cognitive biases that would actually like i think that's is that anchoring there's an anchoring bias or Lo- I don't, I'm not loss sure. aversion yeah loss aversion okay there you go yeah so essentially you've you've created something even though it's a virtual thing that you've configured uh yeah and and you'd be less likely to to want to give that up as opposed to just a random number in your reservation spot the thing i'm a little nervous about is how timely i'll need to be like this is getting very in the weeds but when they send out that email like I'm con- I'm curious if I need to like be ready to instantly go configure it. Like, oh yeah, right away. Well, <laughs> it's going to be like one of the SpaceX launch live streams where they're just going to be showing you the server room and there's going to be someone like narrating it and people are going to be coming in. 
Well, my point is, is my reservation number from my reservation number or is it then switched to when the order gets confirmed? Do you know what I mean? Like if I take a day, is that hurt my chances of getting it sooner? Uh, Unclear. And then also maybe what I'll do is I'll just do the default and just like get my credit card in as fast as humanly possible and just click, click, click. Because with the Model S and X, you have seven days to adjust after you've ordered. Uh, before they actually put the car into production. So maybe what I need to do is just reserve it as quickly as possible <laughs> and then edit it later. What if uh, they have a, a launch event, much like lining up for the reservation like you did? Uh, maybe they have something at the store where they have a bunch of IMAX set up and it's a actual like physical event that you have to go in and you can configure yours right away. I mean, I guess that doesn't really work because you've already like signed up for a reservation, right? So, Well, yeah, and the question is, are they going to do this before the actual reveal event? I don't think so. I think they're going to try and keep it private until they actually have another event with Elon on stage. And then they say, and the design studio is now open for the first 10,000 people who (laughs) reserved. And then just like the Apple store is sort of down and then it's open right after the keynote goes live. Um, Gotcha. Would this be like a part trois at this point or? I think so. Part quatre? I think I think it'll be part trois, and I think it will be within the next two months. So it'll be some oh. point. Uh, well, I, I it could be within thirty days. It could be the end of June, but it could be. Oh, this is getting closer and closer. Yeah, can, can, I, I can it be you, next week? I don't think so. I think ah. it'll be. I think it'll be the very end of June, first week or two of July. Okay, so after Flag Day, before Bastille Day, if you say so. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, did you want to, did you have anything else before we wrap this up? I think that it is uh, understandable that when a product that doesn't exist, that is in the minds of people who may have been waiting for that product for many years for expectations to get a bit out of control. And also when you have a CEO like Elon Musk, who is a showman and likes to pump things up and get people excited and talk up how amazing what Tesla does is that uh, there'll be a lot of people who are going to be disappointed, who expected more. And we're going to see a lot of in the sort of Tesla community, people frustrated. I would just say, I, I would hope people reserve their judgment until they actually drive the car. Uh, it's generally a bad idea to review a product before you can actually review the product. So um, I think the challenge with a car, obviously, is there are going to be people who buy this car, probably like me, who will have never driven it. And that's, that's kind of nuts. Um, and I don't think most people will do that. Uh, and so they will be getting these cars for test drive, and then people will choose. But also remember, I don't think most car buyers have configured a car just to their speci- specification. Most people do not do that. They sort of pick a couple options that sound good. And they take whatever the rest has or whatever they have on the lot. Like some people don't even really stress out about the color. So the challenge is Tesla currently really over indexes on people who are very persnickety about their car and what they want. (laughs) And the general buying public is not, as you can tell by the cars they choose and how they drive, very thoughtful about their vehicles. So longer term, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Is your monitor even going to be properly calibrated to guess the color? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I, I feel like whatever color, uh, I don't know. All right. Yeah. I should have just let you finish there. That was almost like a Andy Rooney esque, like little opinion end at the, uh, summation at the end there. That was, that was, that was nice. Let's, my desk, uh, my desk isn't messy though. 
<laughs> that's true it's kind of the opposite of uh, andy rooney in that in that regard um okay so uh if people want to uh opine uh or give us their feedback where can they reach us uh on twitter the shortest at the tesla show uh reddit second shortest at reddit at r slash the tesla show and the longest options are the tesla show.com because the comment box is unbounded and also you could send us an email directly there and Wow. Send us paragraphs and paragraphs of your thoughts. And All right. Well, in the spirit of specs, that was a very good uh, listing of the uh, com- communication methods. Yes. And unfortunately, <laughs> we've been told that the uh, factory tour will not allow photos. I'm pretty bummed so about that. So we're kind of disappointed about that. But um, I don't know. Maybe we'll use sock puppets or some other visual aid to try and describe what we saw. But we also may not be able to describe what we saw. So until that information becomes public record by someone else breaking the NDA, we will not break the NDA. Nope. We don't want Caleb to lose his reservation. No, we do not. You don't want to have to go to the back of the line. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. You'll have to wait for your Faraday future. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Please don't <laughs> make me wait for the Faraday future FF91. All right. Okay. Talk to you later, Mike. All right. Bye. Bye.